relief factor, pain relief that's natural, pain relief that works, and pain relief that attacks the source of the pain. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. See their incredible video endorsements at relieffactor.com and then order your three-week quick starter pack for just $19.95. That's less than a dollar a day. Find out if it can work for you like it works for me by ordering your three-week quick starter pack today. Relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. Be the next success story. upon this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. The world will little note or long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. What your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I can hear you, the rest of the world hears you, and the people... And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. And we will make America great again. is America First with Sebastian Gorka. Thank you for joining us on America First with today's very special guest host, Cleveland's own Bob France. Well, Dr. G, thank you once again for entrusting the phenomenal America First program and the phenomenal America First audience nationwide, three million strong to me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here on this Friday that my friends I like to call... Free for all. I think almost every talk show host in the game has had some version of open lines, whether it's Ask Dr. G anything or it's Open Lines America, or in my case, I call it Free for All Friday. But welcome to a Free for All Friday edition of America First as we come to you live from the ReliefFactor.com studios here in Cleveland, Ohio of AM 1420, The Answer. I'm going to do my best to take advantage of this massive audience and try to actually promote some of the things that I do today. Because I always miss that opportunity. I'm always worried about other things. But I do want to make sure that you know, Dr. G follows me. You need to follow me, too, on Twitter at France Rants. It's my last name, F-R-A-N-T-Z, followed by my last name without the F, R-A-N-T-Z. France Rants is how you can find me on Twitter. And my program... Uh, locally out of Cleveland, airs uh, from 9 until noon Eastern time uh, at whkradio.com, the best way to find it and listen to it uh, via the stream. So uh, that's each and every day, well, weekdays from 9 until noon. I would love to have you aboard because we talk on my program about the very same things. It's not Cleveland-centric. We do Cleveland local stories when they need to be done, but we talk about the very same America-first policies and the same first anti-woke stuff that we do on uh, on Dr. G's program and that he does and that, you know, Prager does and all the rest of them. I do the same exact thing every day. So I would love to have you be a part of that. Now, having said that, that's why I want to start this program completely unplanned because I was just having a great conversation with Team Gorka. 
I was talking to Eric and and uh, and Jeff and to Alex and I think Guy was there. Um, I, I can't see all of their faces, but there's four or five people. We were just all talking about conservatism in America and about how and why it is that we are being driven into the proverbial closet based on our ideology. And that's a real thing. I talked about this on my local show a couple of weeks ago, and I was just shocked. I went to a mall. Now, I know shopping malls, are you know, they're, going, they're going the way of the dinosaur. Uh, shopping, indoor shopping. There are a lot of outdoor shopping malls being built, particularly in more affluent areas. And then there are strip malls. But the indoor shopping mall that used to be so popular as I was growing up as a kid in the 70s and 80s and stuff, um, they're gone. But I went into one, which is still actually thriving in Northeast Ohio. And I was actually walking around the food court just looking for the restroom. I couldn't figure out where it was when I saw an older gentleman walking toward the movie theater in the mall. And I looked and I did a double take because it, 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 it's so rare to see in public. He was wearing a red hat. And not just any red hat. It wasn't a red hat with a communist Chinese Nike swoosh on it. No, 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 no. It was a red hat that said, make America great again. It was a Trump hat. I kid you not. I was this far from going up to the man and shaking his hand and saying, God bless you for your courage. Now, he was an old guy, probably less courageous for him because nobody's going to hit an old guy. But if a young, healthier guy... You know, the typical, quote, toxically masculine male wears a red Trump hat out. He's probably asking for trouble. Somebody's going to confront him. Somebody's going to flip him off. Somebody's going to maybe challenge him, point a finger, and call him a racist or call him things like that. And it just, it just hit me that we can't display what we are and what we believe despite what we are and what we believe being righteous. And not just right, but righteous. My program in Ohio uh, that I was just telling you about is called Always Right Radio. And it's got a double meaning. Yeah, I believe I'm always right. I wouldn't say things that I thought to be wrong. I believe they're right. Otherwise, I wouldn't say them. They're also always right of center. And I can't display that message. I can't wear a Trump t-shirt or some, even, even my Let's Go Brandon gear. My wife gets freaked out when I wear my Let's Go Brandon FJB sweatshirt. I got a hoodie, and I've got two different T-shirts with that uh, with that branding. And she gets a little freaked out because she think, thinks somebody's going to say something to me. It's going to start a confrontation. Why? I have never seen anybody in a Biden T-shirt and gone up to them and started crap with them. Then again, I don't know if any Biden T-shirts exist because they don't take any pride in that man. But there were certainly Obama T-shirts and hats. And I never started trouble with anybody. I may have shaken my head as I walked by, just kind of in like, you know, there's a, there's a very seriously intellectually and maybe morally challenged person if they're supporting somebody who is an open and avowed uh, anti-capitalist and pro-socialist president. Yeah, that's, you know, but that's it. They're not afraid to be seen. Do you know I won't put one Republican or conservative bumper sticker on my car or my truck? Because I don't want my stuff to be keyed, vandalized. I won't even put the sign in my front yard. That's what they've done. They've driven us into an ideological closet. And we're not allowed to come out. We're not allowed to say what we believe in because what we believe in 
They have used, between social media and traditional media, they have used all of the forms of influencing the rest of the population to brand anybody who has that ideological ideology rather as an ist or an ob, a racist, a sexist, uh, or uh, um, uh, um, what's the other, uh, xeno, uh, and then we get into the phobes, transphobe, homophobe, xenophobe, uh, misogynist, there's another one of the ists. All of these things are equated with the Republican Party because of the job they've done of branding us that way. And we're sitting here afraid to push back on it because we don't want to be ostracized. We don't want to lose our jobs. We don't want to get suspended from school. We don't want to be uh, suspended from from work. We don't want to have something in our file. Oh, you didn't call somebody by the right pronoun? Um, That's going in your file. That's going to be a ding against you when it comes time for termination for cause. Because you're not calling people by the pronouns that they want because you're not calling a woman who looks exactly like she did yesterday, Jane, Because today she's telling you she's a guy and you're supposed to call her George. No, not going to do it. Well, you better do it or else you're going to end up having to face all of those things. So my point, this is, again, an unscripted and unplanned riff. And I apologize for this because it's a little bit all over the place. But I'm going to tell you something. If we don't find the courage to publicly declare our solidarity with the Constitution, the Declaration... And the conservative principles based upon those two glorious documents. And they are all, all conservative principles are based on those documents and on the accepted founding of our entire Western civilization. And that is the nuclear family. A mother and a father uh, being married, living in the same household, raising boys and girls And maybe a dog or a cat, too. But the boys and girls don't get to identify as such. Only boys and only girls. And raising them with family values, belief in treating people right, belief in working hard to get your education, working hard to get a job, working hard to get a promotion, working hard to gain wealth, and then getting married, and then repeating the cycle for their children. This has been what made this country the greatest force for good in the history of Western and, dare I say, all of human civilization. And we're not allowed to say so out loud. We're not allowed to say God is great without some freedom from religious foundation, religion foundation telling us to stay to stop proselytizing. But they're allowed to say, hey, little, little, hey, little boy, come over here. Stick this dollar in the G-string of this hairy-ass grown man who says that he's a woman. That's okay. But us saying God is great is causing problems for society. I'm done, my friends. I am done hiding in the closet with our conservative, righteous ideals. We are going to come out. We are going to be loud. We are going to be proud. And we're going to take this culture back. We didn't start this culture war. It was started by the left. But I'll tell you what, they're not going to win it, not on our watch. Bob Franson for Dr. G. We'll come back.
Today, we are partnering with Food for the Poor to provide urgently needed food to some of the most impoverished countries in our hemisphere because of interrupted planting cycles, rising food prices, and the lingering impact of COVID. The list of families unable to feed their children grows longer by the day, but you can make a difference to these families. Today, a meal-for-meal match means your one-time gift of $144 provides a family of four with food for a year. That's two meals a day for the next year for a family who struggle to get even a handful of rice or enough corn for a tortilla. Knowing your gift will never have more impact than right now. Will you rescue one family, three families, or even ten families? Go to sebgorka.com and click on the red Send Food banner. Text the keyword G-O-R-K-A to 91999 and you will get a link to make your life-saving gift. Or to give your gift by phone, call my toll-free number 855-330-4673. I'm Seb Gorka. Now let's get back to the show with Bob France. 17 minutes before the top of the hour. Thanks for being with us on America First. Bob France sitting in the ReliefFactor.com studios here in Cleveland, Ohio. Follow me on Twitter, if you would, at France Rants. F-R-A-N-T-Z, R-A-N-T-Z. You know, the greatness of America is at its core our freedom. No other country is as free, and we remain free due to our right to keep and bear arms. No other company in America personifies this more than Car Firearms Group. Their story is the American dream, and their products are absolutely second to none. Car Firearms Group is your source for high-quality firearms. Visit them at www.car.com. That's K-A-H-R.com. And on this Second Amendment Friday on America First, we're pleased to welcome John Lott to the program. He is the president of the Crime Prevention Research Center. John, good, uh, good to have you on the program on America First. How are you, sir? Doing great. Good to talk to you again. Good to talk to you. So we've got a couple of things to talk about on Second Amendment Friday. I'm going to talk about how the, a new way for the government and perhaps some of their partners to track Americans' firearms to create almost a de facto registry. But just super quick, I got a glimpse at some um, statistics from 2021. The FBI uh, crime statistics came out back actually back in October, but something drew me to it a couple of days ago. And I, and I happened to notice one of the charts, one of the graphs of uh, um, uh, murder victims, homicide victims by weapon. Now, we all know that every time there's a shooting in this country, the current president of the United States and his supporters uh, want to come for assault weapons, assault rifles, to be precise. And I thought it was curious, and I thought I'd get your thoughts on this, that when you look at murder victims by weapon, you know where we find rifles of all kinds, not just, quote-unquote, assault rifles or ARs or semi-automatic rifles, as they like to refer to them. That number falls right below on the chart, personal weapons such as hands, fists, and feet. That means more people are beaten to death with with fists than they are killed by all types of rifles every year. And yet, for some reason, the gun control crowd wants to ban those particular rifles, assault rifles. John, what are your thoughts? Well, I guess my most basic thought is, you know, people use lots of things to kill people. The question that you have to ask yourself is, what do they also use them for? Can they use them for defending themselves? And what you find, for example, is that people use guns defensively to stop crime about five times more frequently each year than guns are used in the commission of crime. Uh, The media rarely covers uh, defensive gun uses. We can talk about the biases that are there. 
But, you know, I think just looking at the number of deaths by itself doesn't really tell you very much, though, as you say, it's interesting that if you add all rifles together, not just the ones that they define as assault weapons, uh, which, by the way, even the Associated Press now has said is a loaded political term and not a very useful way that there's really no, you know, President Biden and other Democrats will refer to them as military uh, weapons of war, when in mm-hmm. fact, even as the Associated Press says, uh, uh, there's no military around the world that uses these semi-automatic rifles like this. It's, um, you know, it's just uh, not a very useful politically biased term that uh, people use. Yeah, you're exactly right. And by the way, I love the fact that the Associated Press used the term loaded to describe it, <laughs> subconsciously promoting uh, firearm use, I think. Um, so so I want to talk about this new story, John Lott uh, from uh, the Crime Prevention Research Center. Um, another way to track us. Now, I hadn't thought of this before, but let's talk about the fact that Discover Card has roughly 50 million users in America right now. Um, which may not be a huge number when compared to some of the other uh, the other cards, but 50 million people is still a lot of people, and they have just announced they are now going to be uh, tracking uh, people who purchase firearms with their cards. They're, they are, according to the reports, multiple payment processors have already joined a massive project to categorize gun shop sales. It's uh, being seen as a victory for gun control advocates who argue that a separate categorization for gun store sales will help monitor suspicious activity that could lead to mass shootings. To me, John, this sounds like gun registry, finding another way to reg- uh, essentially find out who's got guns and where they are based on their credit card purchases. How dangerous is that, John? Right. Well, I mean, uh, people may not know this, but the Biden administration has already been putting together a computerized registry of guns. Uh, They've had uh, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, when gun dealers have gone out of business, uh, they've turned over their list of of purchases, uh, the 4473 forms that they have, and they've computerized those and turned it into a searchable computerized database. Uh, The Biden administration says, well, we haven't, broken any laws yet because we haven't actually used it to search uh, for people, but that's the only reason why you can think of why you would be putting that type of uh, computerized list together. They do have a lot of recent transactions. They've been calling up dealers and saying, we want you to turn over your forms that you have uh, now, even before you're out of business. But the point of going to the credit card companies and convincing them to turn over that data is to try to make their registry that they've already been putting together uh, complete by getting information on current sales. The reason why they claim you need to have this type of registry is they say it's useful for solving crimes. And, you know, in theory, uh, if you have licensing and registration and you go and uh, a crime gun is left at the crime scene uh, and it's registered to the person who committed the crime, then you can go and trace it back and catch the criminal there. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that virtually never happens. One, crime guns are very rarely left at the scene. And the few times they are left at the scene, you have instances where uh, the criminal's either been killed or seriously wounded, so you're going to catch them anyway. And a couple other times that they're left at the scene, 
they're not registered. And the once or twice that they are registered, they're not registered to the person who committed the crime. And so, uh, you know, uh, these things take a lot of resources and money that could be used for other things. Hawaii, uh, a few some years ago, the Honolulu police chief testified before the state legislature. They'd had registration licensing in Hawaii since 1960. And he was asked, how many crimes have they been able to solve as a result of registration and licensing? And he said zero. Wow. And then they asked him, and then and then they asked him, well, how much does it cost? And he didn't have a dollar figure, but he estimated it took about fifty thousand hours worth of police time each year to go and run uh, the system, and that's fifty thousand hours wasted that could have been used a police time for things that we know work that's a devastating figure john lott president of the crime prevention research center joining us on on uh, second amendment friday here on america first we'll be back Just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching the MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented the MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow, and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread, the MyPillow 2.0 is the softest and coolest pillow you'll ever own. For my exclusive listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 has a buy one, get one free offer with promo code GORKA. MyPillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio list of square for the buy one, get one free offer. Enter promo code GORKA or call 800-829-8468. That's code G-O-R-K-A. Go today. Thank you for joining us on America First with today's very special guest host, Cleveland's own Bob France. Yes, indeed. Five minutes past the hour. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Dr. G, for the uh, gracious introduction and the opportunity to sit with this uh, phenomenal America First audience once again. The home base is here in Cleveland, as you just heard, the ReliefFactor.com studios of uh, AM 1420, The Answer. It's WHKRadio.com if you ever want to listen into what we do in the mornings from 9 until noon Eastern time, WHKRadio.com. Save that and follow me on Twitter at France Rants. F-R-A-N-T-Z-R-A-N-T-Z. We're going to begin Hour 2 now uh, with a special guest, somebody that I am uh, very familiar with. I've been interviewing him once a week, roughly, for about the last nine years. He is the longest-serving commissioner on the United States Commission on Civil Rights. It's a pretty important position, and uh, his name is Peter Kirstenau. He joins us here on America First. Peter, good to have you, my friend. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Bob. Thanks for having me on. So you spent a little bit of time at the uh, keyboard yesterday, it would appear. I've got a copy of a letter in front of me, dated March 2nd, addressed to uh, Chairman Jim Jordan, Chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. Um, Chairman Jordan is being asked, it would appear, and I'm going to let you tell us what you would like to see from him, um, to respond to what you call in your letter, Pete, the Trojan horse that is the, quote, executive order on further advancing racial equity and support for under.
underserved communities through the federal government, which, of course, is Biden's executive order, which is of great concern to a lot of people. And you are obviously trying to alert Chairman Jordan about that. What is it? uh, First of all, tell us why you call it a Trojan horse. Because if you look at its implications, this is the scale of this is breathtaking. In my 40-plus years as a labor and employment lawyer and 20-plus years in the Civil Rights Commission, I haven't seen anything quite like this. It seems somewhat innocuous to the uninitiated, but to anybody who has been involved in civil rights for any period of time, especially if you're involved on the right, you know precisely what's going on here. And for your listeners, what this does is it mandates equity throughout every single federal agency. And that's just the beginning. First of all, what is the definition of equity? And that is problematic. And that's one of the reasons why I was hoping that Chairman Jordan, who seems to be going on the right track in other areas, would have a a hearing on this, because this has profound implications. Equity means equal outcomes according to this particular executive order. It is not equal opportunity. We have a plethora of statutes and regulations dealing with equal opportunity. That's the promise of America, equal opportunity. Equity is equal outcomes, which means mandatory discrimination. Now, they dress it up with flowery words, but Mm -hmm. the effect is rampant and massive discrimination in every federal agency. And for your listeners also, Bob, they probably know already that when you're dealing with federal agencies, it's not simply limited to those agencies, even though the federal government is the, you know, the largest employer in the country. It will also affect federal contractors. It will trickle down, in other words, and affect virtually everybody. Because after it affects the federal contractors, those contracting companies will then implement that throughout their entire sphere of influence, throughout you know their own contractors and others. Um, and so this it has significant implications for uh, equal opportunity, for uh, Title VII law, for a whole host of things. And it's frankly, it, it, it's... Let me, pa- let me pause you there, Pete, to go deeper. Yeah, let's go deeper on Section 7. You, you quote in your letter, <clears throat> or actually you write in your letter, uh, if the executive order were merely intended to ensure everyone has equal opportunity, which is what the Civil Rights Commission should be about, and the Civil Rights Act is about equal opportunity, equality for all, not equity. The definition would simply restate the existing language of Title VII. Give me a paraphrase of what the language of Title VII says and why that would be better than this uh, Section 10 in the EO. Sure. Yeah, Bob, Title VII makes it unlawful for any employer to discriminate on the basis of any immutable characteristic in addition to religion. That's one that's not immutable. You could change your religion, of course. But you cannot discriminate in terms of hire or fire or terms and conditions of employment on the basis of race, sex, age, national origin, color, and religion. That's just the opposite of what this executive order is, is required to do. As you indicated, if it were simply about equality, we wouldn't need anything else. We have got a host of civil rights statutes that take care of that. This goes much further than that and is going to require equal outcomes so that you have to put a thumb on the scale and count by race, sex, and everything else, and count only in a certain way because it – doesn't include, for example, white males, people of a certain age, um, 
uh, minority religious. It does include um, minority religious groups, but not majority religious. Not majority, groups. and not the able-bodied. Yeah, exactly. the, the disabled are covered. The abled are not. Men and boys are not covered by this, uh, but but women and girls are, or at least women and girls who pretend, or those individuals who say that there are women or girls. And that's a big part of this that you talk about here, Pete. What I want to hit uh, though real hard is is the idea of what equity really means when you talk about equality of outcome rather than equality of opportunity. You know, I, I equate this, and a lot of people use this as a descriptor of, you know, socialism. Uh, people will talk about how, you know, you know, two students, one works their tail off and gets 100, somebody else is lazy and doesn't do anything and gets a 50 and fails. Well, we're going to add their scores together and give them each an equitable outcome. Here would be to divide those between the two, and each of them gets a 75. Well, and a C, and, and that's not fair. Is that what we're talking about that is in this EO? No matter how hard you work or how, you know, how, how, how much you don't try, um, you get the same outcome as everybody else. That's, is that what this says? Yeah, it gives the bureaucrats way, way too much latitude to, as I said, put their thumbs on the scale to come up with a mandated outcome. It is dispiriting in its essence because, as you indicated, those who, through their industry, through their determination, through their God-given gifts, do a good job, well, you know what, uh, that's very nice, but this guy over here that doesn't look like you, we're going to promote him instead for equity reasons. This is or Even if it's not forward. instead, Peter, even if it's not instead, what I think frustrates a lot of people is even if it's alongside. In other words, if this, this white male, for example, who is not covered by this, uh, this EO, works his tail off and really, really earns a promotion. Well, now we've got one more white person in, the, uh, in this upper management position than we do uh, non-white, minority, or pe- people of color, if you will. So equity demands we promote one from that group to be up there next to him, even if they didn't work as hard as he did for the promotion. Keeping people at an even level, regardless of their effort or, or of their talent, or of their achievements, that's what's, I, I think, you know, at issue here for a lot of people. Yeah, and that's why I start out by saying this is a Trojan horse, horse for socialism. This yeah. gives complete and wide license to engage in the kind of social engineering that the Soviet commissars, you know, Soviet political officers would engage in. And that is not an exaggeration. You know, if you had told me 20 years ago when I first came out to the Civil Rights Commission more than 20 years ago that I'd be addressing matters like this, I'd say, no way. We've got all these statutes here that protect against these kinds of things, but nope. That's the problem here, because I think what's, what's alarming to me is uh, that this came out a couple of weeks ago, and I haven't heard too much about it except among very small group, because we have what we call it a broom closet of people on the conservative side of the ledger who are involved in our expert in civil rights issues. Uh, the Biden administration and others, I think, would like to keep this as quiet as possible until such time as it's a fait accompli, and there's not, not a whole lot we can do about it. Uh, and that's why I call on Jim Jordan to hold hearings on this, because, frankly, that's about all we can do at this point, is hold yeah. hearings and let the public know and hope that public opprobrium would cause them to rescind this. This is an eight-page letter, I believe, that you wrote to uh, Chairman Jordan, and I certainly hope they do expose this and do hold hearings on this. I want to I want to highlight a portion of this that I think is important that you can explain to this uh, wonderful America First audience. Um, 
they're trying, it looks, through the language of this EO, Biden and his team are trying to say, we're not doing this with any bias in mind. In fact, we're not going to ask for people to choose how to advance this equity. We are going to uh, let science do it. We're going to create algorithms and algorithmic, <laughs> right? This is what they're saying, that the yep. computers will spit out what we need to do here that will be fair for everybody. Therefore, it's free of bias. But that's not what uh, that's not how these algorithms are are inputted, is it? No, and on top of that, there's a specific provision dealing with what they call algorithmic discrimination. The bottom line for your audience is this gives them the ability. For example, on the Civil Rights Commission, we, we took a look a couple of months, not actually, it's more than it's almost a year ago now, with respect to certain aspects of discrimination in policing, alleged discrimination in policing. And in a lot of places, what they do is they put in um, algorithms to make sure that there is no discrimination in terms of policing. But the problem there is that these algorithms are all race neutral, but the facts are that, for example, black males have a far greater propensity to have existing criminal records. I mean, numerous criminal uh, incidents. And for that reason, you're going to get a disproportionate number of black males. Well, that screws up the entire algorithm. Race is not even inputted into that, but because of that, pursuant to this executive order, they would throw out those race-neutral types of algorithms that would assist in keeping communities safe and would also make sure that there so the irony, no true discrimination. The irony being if they don't input race into the algorithm, they get racial preference anyway. That, that's, that's essentially what happens. Racial, pre- racial preference is granted by ignoring the race aspect because of what you just described. Pete, we'll take our time out here. We'll come back. You were a busy man yesterday. You also wrote to the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, about Title IX. We're going to talk about that next as we continue on America First. This is a red alert for hardworking Americans who are tired of seeing their freedoms and savings threatened by the globalist agenda. Wealth Protection Research is on a mission to find whistleblowers who are exposing the schemes that threaten your financial security. We're talking about real patriotic financial warriors like Jim Rickards and Porter Stansberry. They're not afraid to tell it like it is, exposing how the system is rigged against you. Text IDEAS to 76626 to find out more. With the 2024 election Storming our way, your IRA and your 401k appear to be in the crosshairs. That's why we've compiled our three favorite ideas from Freethinkers. Don't wait for a knock on your door telling you it's too late. Get this critical report. Text IDEAS to 76626. The fight for your financial freedom is on. Text IDEAS to 76626 now for your free report. That's IDEAS to 76626. Standard text and data rates may apply. I'm Seb Gorka. Now let's get back to the show with Bob France. All right. Thank you, Dr. G. 20 minutes after the hour. We'll continue now with our guest, Peter Kersenow. He is the longest serving member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights in that commission's history. And uh, he's been very, very busy addressing a number of issues regarding to equality, not equity and safety, and uh, including a letter that was written yesterday and delivered to uh, the Honorable Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House of Representatives, this time talking about Title IX. Peter, um, for 50 years, since 1972, Title IX 
has been granting girls and women athletes equal opportunity and access to compete, equal uh, opportunity and access to facilities uh, uh, for their own selves uh, on campuses and in schools. And it has done wonders for the growth of women and girls in sports and uh, and some of their achievements. Uh, why is the Biden administration trying to rock that boat? Why on earth is he trying to essentially, I think you used the word deform, it's the deformation of Title IX of the uh, Education Amendment of 1972. Why is he trying to deform something that has worked so effectively in advancing the cause of girls and women? Because the transgender craze has now taken over the Democratic Party and has superseded the rights of women and girls to equal opportunity to participate on an equal basis uh, with respect to facilities and resources and events related to sports and a whole host of other issues such as accommodations in schools and athletic facilities. So what happens now is basically, and I'll just cut right to the chase, their interpretation, which has a number of different uh, permutations to it, and the person who came up with this was uh, a former civil rights commissioner, in fact, chair of the Civil Rights Commission, who is now the head of the Office of Civil Rights of the Department of Education in the um, Biden administration. Uh, She is way to the left, and she has these... (laughs) I won't uh, go into any kind of description. She has certain ideas about the way that uh, civil rights statutes should be implemented. And the bottom line here is the implementation of this new rule would allow transgender... um, uh, athletes, you know, have the Leotana situation at University Biological of males, right. Right, exactly. Compete against biological females and claims that that is the logical import of Title IX, but also it allows these males who are bio, they're biological males who identify as females to have unfettered access to locker rooms, showers, and every other kind of facility that generally over the last number of eons since civilization began was reserved for girls and women. Um, And it would mandate that. It would mandate that schools permit these individuals. Now, right now, schools have discretion under the Bostock decision, the Supreme Court decision, as to whether or not they're going to do that. And the vast majority of schools have either not done anything about it, they've been silent about it, because, among other things, they don't have... They don't have to face the issue because they don't have any students identifying as such. But others have been silent about it, haven't decided to take any kind of action about it, and figured we'll just let sleeping dogs lie, and if the situation arises, then we'll deal with it. Uh, They have continued to mandate that um, if somebody, if a boy identifies as a girl, that he nonetheless use um, a boy's locker room or they have a separate facility. They will Mm -hmm. find an accommodation so that girls are not subjected to competing against boys, uh, girls are not subjected to biological males in the locker room, et cetera, et cetera. But, but that's never good enough, issue. though. That's never good no, enough, is it? They never here. accept that third option or that separate accommodation because you're saying, no, we don't want to be excluded from the actual locker and shower rooms of the sex with which we identify. Uh, we don't, we're, not a, we're not a third thing. We're not a, we're not a non-entity. This is their argument. A biological male who says he's a trans female, uh, it says, I am female. I must be given access to the female spaces and the female showers. You cannot treat me like I'm something that doesn't exist, like a, you know, you know, like some sort of a, a stranger, even though many of them actually use words that describe things that don't exist. But that's how they say it. Yeah. But what this guidance would do is require schools to have transgender girls in girls' locker rooms. In those rooms. Bio- 
That's right. We'll require it, not give the schools any discretion to implement their own policy based on their own norms within that jurisdiction. Um, this is completely contrary to Title IX. It's completely contrary to the Bostock decision. And so what we want to do, because this is the interpretation of an agency, is have Congress have hearings on this, weigh in on this, and get this straight. Because the Biden administration has been extremely aggressive in promoting a very, very radical uh, progressive agenda. And it's being being done under the radar, as I've indicated, most people aren't watching this. Even Congress isn't watching this. So you have these edicts coming out, these guidances, interpretations, sometimes they're actually regulations that are being promulgated, and no one's paying a whole lot of attention. And that's one of the reasons why we have a problem with the quote-unquote deep state that a lot of people talk about, but the administrative state, which is wielding untold amounts of power and is issuing regs like crazy and guidances like crazy and people can't keep up with it and they're being enforced by the rule of with the rule of law so um we wanted to highlight this for both uh representative jordan Chair, chairman of the uh, judiciary committee as well as leader mccarthy so that they will take action the most we can do at this point is hold hearings until there's a complete Republican majority. But I think that the disinfectant of having everyone see this, shine the light on this, will cause people to say, what the heck is going on? We don't really realize the radical steps that our federal government is taking to completely transform America. And Bob, for a moment, if I could go back to the other one, which is the uh, the deal with respect to equity. Equity, yeah. That, that is going to apply not just to the federal government, but as I indicated before, to subcontractors and contractors, and it eventually seeps down to every business or employer um, in the United States. But just as important is the fact that we're talking about huge sums of money at stake here, and we're talking about uh, extremely radical regulations that are going to transform the country in ways that we've never seen before. So, uh, you know, this is, this is something I'm hopeful that more Americans will keep an eye on. It's astonishing that this hasn't gotten as much press as it, as it clearly should. I just think that many conservatives are just unaware of it, but the left is delighted. They'd like of course. to go under the radar screen. Yeah, of course they are. And, you know, Peter, um, what I hope people who are listening to you right now um, understand is that they have a responsibility and they have an opportunity to try to stop some of this madness. Now, they cannot necessarily go to their congressperson and say, I want you to you know, craft a bill that will stop this you know, federally. But what is happening is that there are state legislatures that are taking up um, uh, uh, bills and legislation that would say we are going to tell our member schools of, you know, for example, in the Ohio. Uh, in the state of Ohio, we're telling our member schools, um, if you do not adopt the federal government's new definition of Title IX, we will cut off federal funds being distributed to you. So there are severe threats, and this was going on in the state of Ohio by Mike DeWine and the Ohio Board of Education as recently as late last year. And um, there was a massive fight, and the people pushed back and got their uh, the Ohio Board of Education to change their, their language on this so that our school districts do not feel compelled held to allow girls to be, you know, in, uh, to be uh, uh, intruded upon in such ways. So people can make a difference. They're just going to have to do it at their local levels with their local and state representatives before they can really, uh, uh, you know, talk about this on the federal level. But that's what you're doing here by spotlighting this and sending that message to Kevin McCarthy. I'm glad to have you doing it, Peter Kersenow, and thank you for sharing it with us. Bob, take care. 
Thank you, Peter. That's Peter Kersenow, longest-serving member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. He knows his stuff, and he is spot on all over this. Uh, Bob Franson for Dr. G on America First. We'll be back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 